0: Announce that we're having a business meeting on the 23rd. We want to give you guys a notice. That's two weeks from today. We're going to be voting, we're going to be releasing the info about our new council members, and then followed by that will be a time of prayer, a month of prayer to pray about that. For those of you who don't um, know about the council members, where they serve for a three year term and then rotate off. So we're going to present some nominees that have been elected by you guys uh, on the 23rd. Last night uh, we had a special time and if some of us look a little tired It's because we had over 20 kids here last night running around the church We did parents night out And if you uh, served, I want you to stand we want to give you a quick round of applause For your service. Go ahead and stand up. Let's give them a hand All right, thank you, you can be seated and last week a uh, week before last we had uh, Work Day around the, the church. So if you helped out that week for Church Work Day, go ahead and stand. I want to recognize you guys. Thank you. We're getting everything ready for Easter. Speaking of Easter, um, as after we leave in a little bit, we have invite cards out in the lobby. And we're going to do everyone, I call it the I3 Challenge. And we're going to encourage everyone to invite someone to intercede for them, and to invest in them. So here's what that's going to look like. If you invest in somebody, it means you show the love to them. You spend time with them. Maybe it's taking them out to coffee. Maybe it's simple as a a phone call. So you invest in them. You intercede for them. You pray. Because if God doesn't move on their hearts, they're probably not going to come. But if you pray, God can move on their hearts. And then you invite them to come. And let's see what God's going to do. Amen. A previews for Easter, as mentioned, there's no Wednesday night service because we're having Good Friday service at 6, and then Easter service is at 7. We, for those of you who are wondering, we do have our Sunday school classes uh, next week, so we'll have that as well, but um, Good Friday service is going to be very special. We're going to focus on what Jesus did for us, His death on the cross, and then of course Easter is like the Super Bowl Sunday of the church. Where we celebrate its resurrection, so that's, that's really exciting. Uh, we're going to be in John 12, and um, as you guys turn there, um, how many of you have a smartphone? Okay, we got a little uh, picture here. We now have Arden First Baptist app, and that's available if you have an Apple, if you have Droid, whatever you have. We have that available, so we'd encourage you to download. We want to really stay connected with you guys. Uh, this has a prayer wall where you can submit prayer requests, and it'll be shared among people in the church. Um, It's got our past year's messages, so if you ever skip a Sunday, not that any of you ever miss a Sunday, um, you can listen to online anytime, so uh, be sure to download that, and we really want to stay connected to you, and I just want to tell you guys, this has been on my heart, but I want to tell all of you, uh, I've been here a year, and I want to tell you I not only love you, but I like you guys, and um, it's good to see you each week, thank you. Well, on that note, let's jump into John 12, and we're doing a series called From Empty to Full, and the whole crux of it is the tomb was empty so your life and your heart doesn't have to be. Last week we talked about an empty place at the table, Lazarus has died, but now he's back at the table, and today we're going to talk about an empty jar in John 12. It says in verse 1, then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Now, can you imagine eating dinner with someone that just came back from the dead? Wouldn't that be a unique experience? Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus. And ladies, she did the unthinkable. She wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for three hundred denarii and given to the poor. This he said not because he cared for the poor, because he was a thief, and he had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, "Let her alone, or leave her alone. She has kept this day for the of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but me." You do not always have. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We pray a special blessing on your word that you would speak to our hearts. And God, help us to see the significance of this empty alabaster jar. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here we have an interesting story. We have a commonplace that we've seen before, Bethany. Um, last week we saw in this same little town, just two miles from Jerusalem, that Jesus had performed an amazing miracle. Several months later, six days before Jesus dies on the cross, one day before Palm Sunday, something unique happens. If you will look in your listening guide, the first point is this, the celebration of Jesus' life and ministry. Just six days before Jesus' death. Now I want you to think about this scene here. You have Lazarus. He has just been risen from the dead, and now he's hanging out, he's celebrating, he's having this feast. You have this party that's thrown in Jesus. Now, this was not just any party. This was a small little town, Bethany, recognizing what Jesus did. Jesus had just risen Lazarus from the dead, and there's so much excitement. So it's kind of like, have you guys ever tried to buy a Christmas present for someone that has it all? Do you know what to get this person? You're like, I don't know what to get this person. Well, how would you give a gift to the person that raises the dead? How would you give a gift to God? I mean, it's like, how do you do it? So this town is like, well, let's, let's throw a party. Let's throw a celebration. So they did that. And you see, we're going to see Mary in a little bit, but you see Martha. What is Martha always doing in the Bible? She's always serving like some of you. And sometimes Martha gets a bad rap. But I don't think she should. I think her heart's in the right place. Jesus did advise her before. Don't forget to sit at my feet that's the most important part. We don't know this, but I can speculate that probably Martha has learned from the previous experience because in this passage, Jesus doesn't rebuke her at all. She's serving. I'm sure she's probably listening. They're rejoicing and they're celebrating. So I think if Martha could stand before you today, I think she'd give us two points. This is on your listening guide. The first one is this. Knowing who Jesus is should motivate us to serve him with reckless abandonment. Martha has just found out in the previous chapter, a few months previously, that Jesus is the God of the resurrection. Could you imagine if someone that you died just came back alive mysteriously? For those of you who have lost loved ones, can you imagine after you did that funeral for your spouse or your loved one, and four days later, they're back. Could you imagine how much devotion you'd have for Jesus? I mean, you'd want to you'd wanna give him everything. So here's Martha. She's serving, I think, with a renewed passion like never before. Number two, and this is just my thoughts on it. In your serving, don't forget to stop and to sit at the feet of Jesus. I think we don't know. The Bible doesn't say this, but since Jesus doesn't rebuke her here, don't you think Martha grew over the years? If I had to give a sanctified speculation, I would say Martha grew. Because Jesus taught her, Mary has chosen the most important part, and that's sitting at my feet. But there's nothing wrong with serving. Imagine if we all just sat at the feet of Jesus. Would we get anything done? All right? There's got to be a balance there. But in your serving, don't forget to stop and sit. So the application is this. Some of you serve so much and so well here's the permission for you. It's okay to stop. It's actually good because if there's more output than input, eventually you get burned out. Some of you experience that. So for those of you who've been in the nursery every Sunday for like the past 10 years, you may need a Sunday off. Don't tell Teresa I said that, wherever she's at. Um, For those of you who have been ushering and you're always on security, let's get another volunteer to take your place so you can sit occasionally. So in your serving, don't forget to sit at the feet of Jesus. And I think there's, This is the picture of the Christian life. I want you to see in this house, they're lounging, they're having dinner, um, they're rejoicing. Little do they know Jesus is going to die in six days, except for one person in the text we see. Most likely she has an idea. But this is the picture of the Christian life. Lazarus has just come back from the dead. There's a huge party and everyone's rejoicing. So my question for us Christians is why do we... Who have been risen from the dead spiritually. Why do we live like we're dead? Why are we the dead people walking? We should like live a little. Relax a little bit. Stop being so busy. Lounge with Jesus a little bit. It's okay to enjoy your Christian life. You need to tell your face what has happened to your heart. Or your heart needs to tell your face. It's okay to smile. Because you serve the God who raises from the dead. Amen. Look at the person next to you and say it's okay to smile. It's OK. All right. Number two, we see the empty jar. And this is kind of the whole central idea of the text. Mary extravagantly poured out her love and her devotion. Look at the verses three and following. It says Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard. Now, NIV translated just nard. The thing about this oil was it was so expensive. It was from a special plant that, to my knowledge, it's found in the Himalayas, the mountaintops, India, Nepal, that area. So because it was so far removed from where they're at, it was very expensive. And you noticed that this jar we see in parallel text, it was an alabaster jar, so it was an expensive jar, and it contained an expensive perfume. And... The cost of it is quite shocking. 300 denarii, which is the equivalent of a year for a blue-collared worker. So we could say if someone had a fast food job or a day labor, this could be anywhere from 20 dollars to $30,000. Now, can you imagine giving away $20,000, $30,000 for something that would be gone in a few days? Anointing Jesus? that That could seem like wasteful, right? But I want you to look at this alabaster jar. In the other text, the parallel gospels of Mark and Matthew, we see that this jar had to be broken before it could be poured out. And I think there's a lesson there. Sometimes before God can use your life as a blessing, sometimes he has to break you. We don't like that. But sometimes before the aroma of your life can fill the rooms of your heart and the area where you're at where people can sense it, Sometimes you have to be broken. But you know what? God puts the broken pieces back together again. And he doesn't want us to live in brokenness. He wants to heal us. But my point is, to come to Christ, there has to be conviction, heaviness, and brokenness. And you have to ask God to forgive you. And some of us walk around with a limp like Jacob, where we've had encounters with God. And he's molded us and shaped us. But the jar was broken. And she gave it away, but also in giving it away, she gave of herself. Because we see something in this text that's quite interesting, and I want to talk to the ladies for a little bit. Now, could you imagine um, giving away like your retirement fund, like thirty thousand dollars, and giving it to giving it to God, giving it to His church? And can you imagine in this culture? And I wasn't aware of this until I researched the historical background, but Women in this culture, the first century, they didn't let down their hair in public. Their hair was kind of, it was considered immodest or immoral to let down your hair in public. It was kind of like loose women loosened their hair in public. So this woman is doing the unthinkable. She let down her hair. And you see the shock. Like, what is she doing? Why this waste? But the interesting thing, the shock is not in her letting down her hair. And there's a parallel passage in Luke 7, and people think it's the same woman, but it's actually a different woman. Luke 7 talks about another woman who does this, and they're shocked. What is this sinful woman doing? But this happened at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and it, was in, and it was a Pharisee's house. Some of you may remember that story, the Pharisees, like, this woman is a sinner. But this is Mary. This is the woman that sat at Jesus' feet. This is not the same woman of Luke 7. But I want you guys to get this picture. To put it in modern day terms, the best analogy I could give, this would be like a a married woman. You know, if you let down your hair in that culture, it would be like taking your wedding ring off in public. People are just like, what's going on here? But Mary broke the rules. She didn't care what other people thought. She was willing to worship Jesus and lay herself at his feet. But here's, here's the significance in the hair. Can you imagine a lady's taking your hair, which the Bible calls your glory? It's kind of like symbolic of your crown. Taking the best part of you and laying it at the dusty feet of some man. Can you imagine that? The devotion? I, I just, it, it mesmerizes I me. Mean, no one rebuked her for that act, as, as we've seen in Luke 7. But Judas rebukes her for the waste. Why did you waste yourself? But here's what I picture Mary. I'm going to take the best part of me. And I'm going to lay it at Jesus' feet. Because this is the one who just raised my brother from the dead. This is the one who's the God of the resurrection. I'm going to let down my hair. And I don't care what anyone in the room thinks. Because I'm going to do this for Jesus. Now here's something. I don't know. This is just according to Timothy. This is the silence of scripture. But if you read Luke 7. I believe it's a different woman. I don't believe it's Mary. And there's several reasons why. I don't have time to go into depth. But it's a different house. Um, a Pharisee, this isn't a house of a leper, by the way. We see them in parallel accounts. A Pharisee would not go into the house of a leper. Different house, different occasion. Luke seven's at the beginning, of, toward the beginning. This is at Jesus' final end. But here's what I wonder here's the question I'm asking is since Mary was the one who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his lessons and his teaching, did she ever hear about the other unnamed woman of Luke 7? Was she inspired by that woman's act? We don't know. But I'm just speculating. What if she knew about it? And what if this other woman that had a sinful lifestyle inspired her to do something in her dignity she wouldn't think of? You know, we're talking about Mary, whose family, you know, they have a house. They're probably wealthy. They're probably, you know, very influential. So to let down your hair was a no-no to begin with. But to lay your dignity at the feet of Jesus, that's special. And I think that's something we can think about. So here's some thoughts I want to give you about Mary, about devotion. Some of you who may not get the whole, you know, it's kind of weird, the background, because, you know, women, we say, let down your hair a little bit, right? Chill out. You know, that's what we say to people now. But there, that was, don't let down your hair, right? But here's some devotions. Here's some thoughts about devotions from Mary. True devotion is truly costly. Mary was willing to give, most likely, her life savings to Jesus, So if I'm truly devoted, it's going to cost me everything. But, you know, when you think about Jesus. Mary was willing to give a sacrificial gift, but Jesus was willing to give his life. So he was far more devoted than we could ever imagine. Number two, true devotion may be misunderstood by many. We see the disciples. We see Judas. We see all these people saying, what a waste. Why would you do that? Let me ask you guys a question. Have you ever done anything for Jesus and you were misunderstood? People question your motives. People question, why are you doing that? If you are truly devoted to Jesus and truly sacrificed, people will question you. Why? What a waste. Number three, true devotion gets God's attention. What we see in a parallel gospel, Jesus, I want you ladies to picture this. All the disciples, people in the room, led by Judas, most likely, um, they were angry, like, how could Mary waste, what a waste. And they're grumbling, and I can see poor Mary, tears coming down her face. She's like, I was just trying to tell Jesus how much I love him. I was just trying to show my devotion. And there's something more we'll talk about in a little bit, but she she had poured out her everything, and Jesus comes to her defense and said, listen, you don't know her heart. She actually did this to prepare me for my burial, which brings up another question. Did Mary know she was doing this for her burial? Or not we don't know. I tend to think so. And my reasoning for that is typically anointing in this day and time. You know, a guest would get maybe their head anointed. Um, a king would be anointed, but to anoint someone's head and feet and Seemed like the whole bot, you know, they were lounging, so it was probably dripping all the way down him. That was kind of unheard of. So here's my, here's another question. I wonder if, since Mary sat at Jesus' feet, we see through the Gospels how Jesus predicted that he was going to die. Somehow the disciples didn't get it. I wonder if Mary got it. Because she gives this sacrificial gift for him. Now we see this in our culture. Have you ever seen anybody, even though the person, Has gone and we know they're not in that coffin we know they're in heaven people spend great amounts on a coffin great amounts on a funeral like why the waste they do it to honor that person they do it to celebrate them even in our culture we do it so mary perhaps we don't know for certain but perhaps she had a prophetic understanding or maybe she just heard jesus say i'm going to die so she was doing this to prepare him so we see the empty jar Mary was willing to pour out her love and her devotion to Jesus, even if other people didn't get it. And by the way, there's a parallel. I wish I had more time, but there's a parallel. You guys remember David in the Old Testament where he was so full of God's presence, he danced through the streets and people were like, what is the king doing? He's not in his apparel. He's not wearing his, you know, his robes. And he got criticized by his wife. And it was like, I'm going to become more undignified than this. I'm going to dance before the Lord, even if no one gets it. So aren't you glad that God sees your heart, even if other people don't? He knows. Don't misunderstand the emotion of devotion. When you're fully devoted to Christ, he moves you to do things that you, you may not. I didn't know I was going to realize I was going to do that. But it's because of the love for him. All right, moving on to number three, finally. We see the empty heart. Judas Iscariot operated out of an empty heart. Notice what Judas says. Verse 5, he says, this oil, this nard could have been sold and given to the poor. How dare you waste money on Jesus? What about the poor? And notice verse 6, and this is John writing later on. And we think the book of John was written somewhere around 80, 90, 80 92. So this is after many years of reflection, probably God speaking to him. I don't know if they knew this at the time. Obviously, if they knew it, if, of course, Jesus knew. But if John and other disciples knew that Judas was stealing, they would have probably, you know, you're no longer treasure, Judas. You've got sticky fingers. But later on, looking back, somehow John, through the Holy Spirit, knew Judas was stealing money. So I want you guys to see this. You see the world as you are. As you see the world, it's because of what's in your heart. You see the world as you are. So Judas, because he was a thief, because he was a liar, because he was a betrayer, he saw the world through that lens. And I want you to get this picture here in this text. And I wish we had more time together. But in this text, you have who's serving in this text? Martha, right? You have Martha serving. You have Mary sacrificing. You have the other people basically um, spectating, and then you have Judas scheming. So Martha is serving, Mary is sacrificing, everyone else is spectating, and Judas is scheming. See, Mary saw Jesus as the greatest treasure, but Judas saw Jesus as a means to get treasure. I'm going to use Jesus to get money. I'm going to use Jesus to get something greater out of him. But Mary saw Jesus as the greatest thing. Judas saw Jesus as a way perhaps to gain something that he wanted. We don't know what it was. Was it power? Was it prestige? But Mary saw Jesus as the greatest thing. I'm willing to give my everything for him. And that's the picture of worship. Being willing to surrender all Because of all who God is and all that he's done. So I want to ask you guys a question of application. How do you see the world? As you are, so you see the world. If you're fearful, you see the world as fearful. You're timid, you're worried. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. So if you're fearful, you see the world as threatening. And there is a lot of threats in the world. What about critical? If you are critical, did you know if you're looking for faults, you can find them? And every every one of us, all of us are fallen and imperfect. So if I see the world through a critical lens, I'm going to find fault in all of you except for me. I'm I'm perfect. But all of you, you have issues. But what about if we saw the world as hopeful? What What if Mary said, I'm going to pour out my everything because I know that this is the God of the resurrection. And I may sacrifice all that I have, but he's the God of the resurrection. He's going to take care of me. I'm not going to worry about the future. What about if we saw the world through the lens of love? Everybody with whom we lay our eyes on is someone for whom Christ died. Wouldn't that change the world? Would you rather see through a critical lens or a loving lens? Would you rather see the world as it is or as it could be? You know, as we are, so we see the world. So something I want you to think about, and I wrote this on my notes. Some may not understand the emotion behind your devotion. Some may not understand the extravagance of your generosity towards Jesus and others. But I would rather be a devoted Mary than a deceived Judas any day of the week. I'd rather be a devoted Mary than a deceived Jesus. So one truth to rethink, if you'll look on your listening guide, to summarize the whole message, an empty jar leads to devotion, but an empty heart leads to demotion. We see later on in Passion Week how Judas, he actually got his money. It was just 30 pieces of silver. He betrayed Jesus. See, he wanted money. That was his goal, so he got it. And then he lost his life. He killed himself. He committed suicide. But we see Mary. We're still talking about her. Everywhere the gospels preached, Mary's name's mentioned because of what she did. So if I empty out what I have, God sees that. And he says it's devotion. When I go after self-serving means, it's demotion. So we talked about your action step for the week. And today I want you to take out your connection card in front of you. And if you made a decision... I want you to write that down and, you know, kind of to to recap everything in every church. There's usually someone that serves like a a Martha. There's Martha's in here. There's those of you who love devotion and pouring yourself out and you're not afraid of sacrifice. Those are the Marys. And then there's others that spectate, they watch and they're like, okay, and then they kind of critique. And God forbid, but in some cases, there are those who scheme, just like Judas. And you think, Jesus, why would he pick someone like Judas? There's so many mysteries in the Bible. But here's my question. Whatever group you're in, let us serve with reckless abandonment like Martha. Because we're serving the one who raises the dead, the God of the resurrection. And let us, because of what Jesus has done... And the sacrifice he has made, let us be willing to be fully devoted and be willing to sacrifice like Mary. Can you imagine if, if in your heart you were devoted and committed like Mary and Martha? Could you imagine how that would change your spiritual life? You know what? As we look towards Passion Week, let us remember that Jesus gave it all so that you could have a relationship with him. Let us pray. Father, this text is quite intriguing when we study the background about a woman letting down her hair, which in this culture was really looked down upon. And yet she did it because she was willing to lay herself at your feet. It was almost like in the book of Revelation where they lay the crowns at at the feet of Jesus saying, we're not worthy. My best part I'm going to throw at your feet. And that was Mary. She's saying, I'm going to take my My crown, my glory, my hair. And I'm not just going to lay it at your feet. I'm going to wipe your feet with my hair. My hair is going to become my towel. God, I just can't imagine that level of devotion. And God, we see Martha serving, constantly serving. So, Father, I pray that wherever we're at, that, God, we would make a decision God, if, if we need to make a decision accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we would do that. If we need to become more devoted to you, we're just half-hearted, we're just half-there, we're a spectator, but we're not pouring ourselves out onto Jesus, help us to change that. And God, if we need to change the way we view things, help us to change the way we view things. Whatever decision to make, we need to make, help us to do so, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm not going to ask anyone to stand. We're going to have our closing hymn of invitation. And really, there's three basic responses to this message. To, to say, you know, Timothy, from this text. One thing is, if you've, the, the greatest act of devotion starts with giving your heart. If you've never given your life to Jesus, we want you to do so today. We'll be at the front. The second one is, you know, when you look at your life... Have you fully poured out your jar? Are you ready to pour out yourself like Mary did? Jesus, I need to be fully devoted, not just partially, but to be a living sacrifice. And the third response would be, Pastor Timothy, when you talked about you see the world as you are. Well, Timothy, I'm hurting. Timothy, I'm wounded. Timothy, I'm broken. I need God to give me that new way of seeing the world. Pray that God will change in my heart. If that's you, if everyone would just be in a spirit of prayer, um, I'm going to say a prayer, and then if, if you need to make a decision, we're just going to won't tarry long. But Father, as we as we come before you during this special hymn of response, whatever decision we need to make, help us to do so. We love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.